can it be a little louder this morning? You may please be seated. It's a joy and a blessing once again to stand behind this big pulpit. I want to bless the Sabbath appreciation once again to Bishop. Reverend Mrs. Nadi for this great honor done me through this invitation. It's a real blessing to go to a place and to have come again. You know, if you are a pastor here, this is this is something you must desire. Yes. There's nothing great about being invited to a place, no matter the place, but to be invited again, that is the wonder of the world. And Bishop Nadi is not a colleague, he's not a classmate, he's my father's friend, my father's friend. And the Bible has a piece of advice for the friends of your father. It says, your father's friend forsake not. So I would like to inform Bishop Nati that even if he doesn't like you, I like him because he's my father's friend. And I will not forsake him. I will always make sure this relationship is fresh and refreshed. It's a blessing. And I pray the same for all of you. I think for me, one of the highlights of yesterday's meeting was the point the Holy Spirit made that you don't need to go out to be great. You don't need to. Believe me. Believe me. You know, it is a blessing to have certain people minister to you. Not that they are great people, but people with a certain story, a certain life. And to see me here, a Ghanaian, standing here ministering in the church of a man miles ahead of me, should in itself, ideally, I should not even preach. When I'm invited to come and stand here, I should just come and stand here like this. For just 30 minutes. Because I am a message to you yourself. So, if you are here and your high fever comes, and one day you break away with the hub, in spite of all you've seen and heard, then anyone following you should know that he's following a mental patient. Because a normal person will not do what you've done. But you will not do that. I checked before coming. And I saw your name, that you are one of the correct people in Harvest House International. And may you stay correct all the days of your life. Clap your hands for Jesus. 
And I thank God for the covering I'm under, the covering of the wings of Bishop Daphne Mills. He appointed me a pastor about 24 years ago. And uh, it's been a very long journey. And I've enjoyed having him as my father. It's really been a struggle being away from the Crusades. This is the first time in about, the, the first time since the Crusades started 12 years ago that I have missed the Crusade. Yes, first time. But he was glad to release me because of his love for your pastor and his wife. For which we are all grateful. Amen. So this morning, I want us to continue on the journey of church growth. But uh, when Bishop was reading Psalm 27, it, it just occurred to me that God has given us a very great life. You see, I, I want to say to all of us, also, there was a time yesterday <laughs> under the anointing. About 80% of the things I say are not premeditated. Over 80%. Yes. As I hear, I speak. You know, and there was a very high point yesterday I wish to also um, borrow from. And that is a lot of us, some of us who are lay pastors. In this house, ought to begin to think about full-time ministry. I believe that God is tweaking the hearts of some of us because expansion and growth of a church. It's not an afterthought. It is a very, very big work. Very big work. And it requires more dedication and more investment of our time than we are putting in. And I believe that in this new era we are entering, some of us may need to give more of yourself to the ministry, and not be afraid. You know, you must not be afraid. I'm, I'm going to come to a few things today, but I will tell you that also, it's one of the reasons why you must listen to someone like me, is that I am not unemployable. You, you know, there are many people who are in the ministry full-time because they have no other choice. If they attempt to walk away from the ministry, their life ends. But I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Even the degrees I carry, I can enter any hospital right now, and in 10 minutes, I'll be working. I'm telling you. If they know that my type is in Bulawayo, they will come for me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you. Now, I'm the same person telling you that 
there is nothing as beautiful as serving God. There is nothing. There is no job. There is no job that comes close to the job of serving God. And Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Next verse. Thou. This is what God is doing to you. Thou preparest a table. The ministry is a banquet. I tell you, I lack the words to describe the beauty of the ministry. There is nothing higher. If you ask me to be the president of Zimbabwe, you are demoting me. You are insulting me. To suggest to me to run for the presidency of America. To be in the White House for four years, for eight years. This is what is called the high calling. It's high. Unfortunately, our forerunners have modeled a mediocre ministry, have modeled a pattern of ministry that makes us frown upon it. But believe me, there is no man, woman, living or dead, who can neutralize the beauty of verse 5 of Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. We have got many enemies. Enemies of our background. The enemies of our personal mistakes. The enemies of our bloodline. The enemies of our lineage and ancestry. The enemies of our private and personal foolishness and stupidity are waging a war against our destiny. But God calls us and places a table before us. A beautiful table. It has not occurred to you, but I want to remind you, most of you here do not deserve to sit here. When pastors are meeting, you have no place in this fraternity. What qualifies you to be here? What do you have that makes you a candidate to be in such a noble fraternity? Look at your background. Which family did you come from? Pastors, men and women, God is using, God has found worthy to use, have met 
in a room for a conference and the likes of you. What are you talking about? There are some of you men here, certain women are looking for you because you've not taken care of the children. The woman you impregnated, they know. <laughs> if they find that you are here, they'll come for you. <laughs> Today you are nicely married with your three children. But there are some women in some towns and villages of Zimbabwe. Remember why you did your national service and what you did there? When God's holy men and women gather, you have no place among them. But the ministry is one of the ways God salvages you from the pits and makes you qualified to stand behind his desk before his people and to declare, Thus said the Lord, apart from the ministry, I cannot think of any noble profession that will invite the lives of us. Think about it. Imagine you were not a pastor. What would become of your life? But God, knowing our difficulties, knowing that you are living each day in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of situations that are staring squarely at you in the face to ensure you never do well. So, sir, as you sit here, you owe certain subjects in school. You've not passed certain subjects. People owe money, but you owe subjects. <laughs> True. But in spite of the subjects you owe, God still calls you. Because you will learn from, from, from this book, many are called, that God uses failures. God uses failures. God uses people who have been rejected. God uses nobodies. God uses people who are trodden under. God uses unworthy people. He uses rejected people. We are here like that. I mean, think about it. Were you not a pastor? What else? Is it a legal profession? Medical? Surveyors? Maybe carpentry? Oh, driving? Some of you don't even have a license. Driving license, you don't have. He knows that we have enemies. I have enemies. I have enemies. One of my biggest enemies in life has been the enemy of stammering, speaking. I'm not the person in the church as we playing keyboards <laughs> or behind the video camera. No, seriously. Just, I, 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 I don't know how to talk. If you listen to me very carefully, you will hear impairment of speech. I am the one who has been invited from Ghana to speak at an international conference. Can you clap your hands for Jesus? Thou anointest my head. So the anointing is a compensation for the 
enemies who are staring at you in your face. Yeah. When God anoints you, your academic failures cannot stand. When God anoints you, the demons in your family cannot battle you. Thou anointed. So, 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 you need to find ways of catching the anointing. Because this is what we are. People who are not believable. Yes. Some of you, even as a pastor, people still don't believe because, you know, your past is so bizarre that people are still giving you five years. They are still watching to make sure that you are really a pastor. <laughs> really a pastor. What? Saul is among the prophets. Let's watch him and see. <laughs> God calls people with inferiority complex. You cannot go on without reading this book. Many are called. God calls young people. I've seen some young boys around here. Where will you be allowed to come in? Where, what? Presidents are meeting, or parliamentarians are meeting, or rich men are meeting. What do you have? Some of you don't have anything. The shirt on your back is your only possession. <laughs> but still, God likes you. No, I'm, I'm saying that he prepared. I didn't plan to come talk about this. It's just when we were reading Psalm 27 that I realized that, wow, Jack, something has happened. In the presence, and the key word is presence, they are there. They are still here. Yes. Your qualification and the, or, or the lack of it is still with you. Your family problems are still with you. In the presence of your enemies, without that table, your, pre- the, your enemies will overwhelm you. Without that table, your enemies will tread you under. Without those enemies, you are done and finished. But God, in the presence of the enemy of being young, the enemy of being fearful, the enemy of having difficult circumstances, he still prepares a table of ministry. He still calls you a man without degrees, a man without qualifications. He still calls you and gives you his sheep. That's why we are here. We are discovering in this conference better ways of doing the same thing. Because you cannot afford to be extracted from this table. I mean, imagine me without a ministry. I'll be an ordinary consultant in a hospital somewhere. And they are so ordinary. I'll be an ordinary doctor somewhere. The kind of place I sit on and hotels I sleep in and the lifestyle I live is not the making of a medical doctor. What are you talking about? <laughs> Because of security reasons, I can't go on to talk about my life. 
because I'm not sure some of you. <laughs> but I am heavily blessed. And it is in my own interest to discover ways of staying at this table. Because somehow, because of the anointing on my head, I am able to enjoy my meal in the presence of my family background, in the presence of my past stupidity, the evils I have done. The month I got born again, I went to school. I was in, what we call it in Ghana, um, Form 3. I was a 16-year-old boy. When we went on vacation and I went back home, the first news that met me was that policemen, is that what you mentioned? Uh, that here, police? Yeah. Policemen came home to look for me. Yes. <laughs> because just before I went, I got born again just before going into Form 4. I don't know how you call it here. Form 4. Yes, I was in Form 3, had my vacation, long vacation, got born again. It's my wife who witnessed to me. So I'm a convict of my wife. But I told her that even though I'm your convict, I will marry you and humble you. In that vacation, a friend and I, a friend whose father lived in a nice place and had built a huge house, we went, took bags, and went to his father's house, brand new house he was about to enter into. And we removed all the louver blades, all, packed them in the boot of a car drove to town and sold it. Sold it. We sold all the liver plates and clubbed with girls and smoking and drinking. Cavorting. Cavorting. Shortly after that, that was my last operation. That was my last operation, and I gave my life to Christ and went to school. When I came home, I was so, so as I'm here, the police are looking for me. <laughs> but in spite of my past stupidity and evil, God still found me worthy to enjoy the table of the call of God and the ministry. Can you clap your hands for me? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And some of you sitting here, the only problem is that Bishop hasn't given you the microphone. Your story is more bizarre than mine. There are some lady pastors here who, at a particular time, had four boyfriends at the same time. Even though a man had engaged you, you had four separate boyfriends, managing them like an accountant. 
You guys should allow me to preach. I, I'm, I have a lot of work to do today. Sir, sir, my dear lady, don't do anything that will rob you of your presence at this table. I'm telling you. There is no nicer table than this table. If God has called you into the ministry, you need conferences like this that guide you into deeper waters and help you to anchor yourself. It is the ministry like this that when you understand it and you value it, you defy any temptation, any seduction, any allure, anything that wants to winch you out of this table. When you understand the greatness of this table, you will not rummage through the garbage of this life. Imagine a pastor, a full-time pastor, rummaging through leftovers with businessmen. Wow! You are a pastor, you are calling yourself a businessman? God has made you a minister. You refer to yourself as an entrepreneur. Is it big words you are looking for? What's wrong with you? But the problem is that you don't understand what you have. And you see, most people who don't understand what they have, they have to be taken away from it. It is when they are away that they understand the greatness of what they have. And then, like Hebrews says of Esau, you begin to look for it with tears and never get it. Yes. Well, some of us have, we, we sing this song, You're the God of a second chance. God is a, is a God of a second chance. Look. <laughs> it's true. He sometimes... Once a while. <laughs> no, sometimes. Once a while. He invokes Jeremiah 18. And gives the pot a second chance to be made again. But if you are a good student of the Bible, you will notice that God is, 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 no, is no less a God of a first chance than he is of a second chance. Most people in the Bible had only one chance. You blow it, it's over. Adam blew it, it was over. Esau blew it, it was over. The prodigal son blew it, it was over. The meat he was eating was his last meal of the day. (laughs) If he ate anything after that day, it should have been at his elder brother's largest. Because the father told the elder brother, all that I have is yours. This boy has nothing. 
I'm playing music for him. We are dancing. I've killed my fatted calf. But think properly. Behave well because everything I have, all, he has nothing left. Be very careful. You are not taken out of this table. You may never get this chair to sit on it again. Be very careful. There are certain places in life when you lose it, Lucifer, he lost it. No second chance. He was cast down. Jesus himself saw him. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He never went up. There are only sprinklings of opportunities where you have a second chance and a third chance. I am a pastor. I know. He gives us second chances, and, but they are not many. They are not many. You are more likely, if it is that God I know, you are more likely to enjoy only one chance with Him. You won't believe it. You may, you, you may think, I don't know the God you know. Yes, I'm speaking from scriptures. Most people who blew it in the Bible had no chance. He planted cherubim, angels, with flaming swords of fire in front of the gate of Eden to prevent Adam and his naked wife from entering. Read your Bible carefully. When he drives you away from this table, he plants angels with salts. Treasure this moment, my dear friend. Treasure this moment. These are the people God calls. And we are here like that. The average pastor is like us. And it's not a mistake that we are failures here. It's not a mistake that people who can't speak well are the ones pastoring. It's not a mistake. It's not a mistake that people with bizarre backgrounds are the ones in this hall as pastors. It's not a mistake because Paul is the one who summarized the call. He said, you see your calling. That there are not many. How that not many are noble. So, 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 so your background is consistent with ministry. <laughs> For some of us, God, God made the ministry to be your, 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 your backup plan. So you see your calling. That not many are educated. Not many are mighty. Not many have been to university. I'm telling you, if I ask those of us who, are, who have finished university to stand up, few of us will stand up. And if I ask for first class, there will be a disaster here. Not many are mighty. But he goes on and says, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world. We are the foolish things of this world. We are the useless, the scum of the world. But God has used us and selected us to confound the wise. Clap your hands for God.
Tell your neighbor, cherish this moment. Treasure this life. Say, God made this life for you. Clap your hands again. So yesterday, I taught you a few things. That you must overcome certain deceptions. And you must get the message. And listen again. Overcome. There are many deceptions that plague us. As pastors in a large house. And for us to embark on church growth, we must overcome these deceptions. And I also went into some reasons why you must have a mega church. That you must be a pastor of a big church. Though your present church is a small church, but your latter end should. It's an imperative. It's not a suggestion. It should greatly increase. Tell the neighbor, you have no choice. Tell another person, your opinion does not matter in this case. Tell another person, how you were raised does not matter in this case. It should greatly increase. Hallelujah. Then I taught you that you must be a scholarly pastor. The making of a minister of church growth is the making of a scholar. And I said something I had never thought about. I didn't, it had never even occurred to me since I was born in 1926. The first time I was here, I, I, I mean, I had never even compared the ministry of John Wesley. It just hit me here yesterday. In the 17th century or whatever, he built a church, a movement, which would become the Methodist church after his expiration. And over 400 years down the line, that church is still thriving and buoyant. And the Lord took me to some denominations and churches that sprouted suddenly in West Africa. One notable one was by a prophet called Wade Harris. He built a very major church. He had a traveling ministry from Ivory Coast, Ghana, to everywhere, West Africa. The churches were many. Today, after over 50, around 50, 60 years, you need binoculars to, to spot some of the churches. <laughs> Either binoculars or a microscope. <laughs> yes, just 50 years. 50 years. You see, it is very easy to use rice and steel to grow a church. But to maintain the growth, and we are not having this conference looking for a flash in the pan or a bank in the ocean type of text. 
We want a church with an enduring legacy of growth. Yes. And the John Wesley with Harris story is a very, very interesting thing. That the church, the ministry that was founded on knowledge, knowledge, teachings, John Wesley wrote books, he taught teachings, teachings. So it became a culture in the church. That church is still here. It's still here. I'm sure the one Methodist church is in Zimbabwe. Yeah. But you may not easily find certain churches which existed years ago, a few years ago. So knowledge is a very important thing. If you want to grow a church, you must be a man, a woman of knowledge. You must be a lover of books. A church growth pastor reads books even on the toilet. You don't go and sit on the toilet looking at ants following each other along tiles. You sit on the toilet with a book. Especially those of you who are long stay toilets. Because some are short stay. Based on the pepper you've eaten. Are you here with me today? And today, we are going deeper. And another thing I shared with you yesterday was the principle of maximized Sunday usage. And I, I, I did not read the text. And I think I want to read it because he, this is these are, these are eternal principles of church growth. So if you will listen, I want to read and make the case for a maximum utilization of your Sunday if you are interested in growing your church. If you are interested only in the existence of your church, then please go to sleep now. So this principle has been stretched to the fullest at the Lighthouse Cathedral in Accra, says Bishop Daniel Mills, a pastor of close to 3,000 churches. Every church he has personally pastored has been in the thousands. Even the church he's pastoring now, of his my son is his keyboardist. Yes. He's pastoring me and my children, and soon my grandchildren. My son is his keyboardist. My daughter is in his church. You won't go to his church and find many of our time. He's pastoring university boys and girls, little boys. Already, already, we began just a few. Already, thousands. 
This is the man who's saying this. That the principle of using Sunday to its fullest is effective because traditionally people have dedicated Sunday to both resting and going to church. Since so many of the church members are available on Sunday, it is only wise to use Sunday to its fullest. Are you with me, please? Yes. Sunday is a full working day for me. Jesus worked on Sundays, and I would like to follow his example. John 5, 16 and 17. Put it up and let's see. John 5, 16 and 17. And therefore, the, the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. They sought to slay him and to persecute him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. <laughs> he was working on the Sabbath day. A pastor works on the Sabbath day. Listen, my dear friends, it is worth repeating this point. Some of us need to hear it again. Because if you do not master the use of your Sundays as a pastor, you are going nowhere near church growth. I read on. Sunday is a full working day for all lay pastors in our church. We work hard from Sunday morning until late Sunday evening. And I will add until early Sunday, uh, Monday morning. We are able to accomplish a list of counseling, a lot of counseling, because people are free on Sundays to counsel. It's part of your work. Interaction. Talking to your members. A pastor is not a prime minister. Yes. A pastor, you are not a prime minister. There is no size of your church that should make you a prime minister. A pastor sits down one-on-one -on -one with the sheep. A true shepherd smells like the sheep. Oh, yes. You cannot have a shepherd who, 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 who smells... Uh, 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 with the, with, the, with, the, with the perfume of, uh, what do you call it? Christian Dior. <laughs> a real pastor, you are so close to your sheep that the scent on them is a scent on you. How come you smell different from your sheep? A real pastor is close to his members. He hugs them. Many times on Sunday, I have to change my shirt because of makeup. <laughs> makeup. Layers of makeup. 
advised them on Sunday. I said, last week, I said, some of you must start using paints. <laughs> Just go and buy acrylic paint and paint your face. Because <laughs> the powder is too much. <laughs> Please allow me. Let's be serious. <laughs> Let's be serious. Visitation is also very effective on Sundays. Because many people are at home on Sunday afternoons. We conduct Bible schools for lay people on Sunday afternoons. All these things are in the book, the mega church. You must get it. Many people are able to attend because they don't have much to do on Sundays. So it's amazing that you will lock your church door at 1 a.m. and be watching EPL. Decide to utilize your Sundays. I don't know what pastors are doing in their homes. I don't know what pastors are doing in their homes at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. When most of the church members are available to be ministered to, take advantage of this opportunity. Lay pastors and shepherds will be able to do more work for the Lord on Sundays. Although some people find it difficult to accept, I emphasize to all the people I work with that Sunday is a full working day for me and my church. I'm not an accountant or a computer programmer. My working hours are not Monday to Friday from 9 to 5. I work on Sundays and I rest on Mondays. We do not start work at 8 o'clock in the morning. I see no reason to go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. We stay late in the evenings because that is where many lay people are available, when many lay people are available for us to minister to them. Our office is usually closed on Mondays and all of our staff except the security officers, have a day off. Pastors and churches must not allow the world to impose its schedule on us. When airplane pilots go to work at odd hours, no one complains. Everyone accepts that their work demands a different type of work schedule. Pastors and non-pastoral people must realize that the work of the ministry is peculiar and goes with its own special working hours. Begin to consider what you can do with your Sundays. Think of how many people you can attend to if your Sundays are used for ministry instead of being used for sleeping and having lunches in the afternoon, and I will add, and watching EPL. Oh, thou bushman! You are playing with somebody's wife. you're the ministry or anything, and you happen to have a chance to work with somebody's wife. She's your personal assistant or your secretary or your driver. <laughs> you need to know how to work with her. It's very important. 
because she's not a loose electron. She's somebody's wife. But you have the privilege because of certain skills she has for you to work with her. Very important. You cannot cross certain boundaries and play certain games. And so is the church. Be very careful. Imagine you are found manhandling this president's wife. Will you be alive tomorrow to tell your story? Imagine the president's wife is somewhere and you, are, you go and you just slap her buttocks. Will you survive the next day to tell your story? Imagine the president's wife is walking somewhere and saying, Hi, baby. Hey. When you see somebody's wife, especially the president or the mayor's wife or the army commander, <laughs> army commander's wife, or the inspector general of police's wife. You are caught in trouble. And ladies and gentlemen, the wife I'm talking about is not the president's wife, the army commander's wife, or the inspector general of police's wife. The wife I'm talking about is God Almighty's wife. Jesus Christ's wife. If on Sunday you find yourself putting a key into a keyhole, locking the door of the church of your office at 2 p.m. on Sunday, and you are going home, remember that it is equal to slapping the buttons of the president's wife. I must learn how to keep a straight face. Because when I smile, it gives you the impression that I'm joking. <laughs> Be very careful! You are a pastor of a church of over 100 members, and you are at home on Sunday at 6 p.m.? It's like the president or some, some um, 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 mayor or some minister's wife passing and you put your hand inside her blouse and you hold her breasts. Be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful. It's just a privilege you've been given to work with somebody's wife. You have the privilege to work with the wife of Christ. Be very careful. Don't try. Do those things with your business. Do those things in the shop you are in half. But the church, you better know how. That's what Paul told Timothy. That I, I, I long to come with you. But in case I don't come, I'm writing this thing that you will know how to comport yourself in the household of God, which is the pillar of truth. How? 
there's a way to behave in the church. Ladies and gentlemen, may I repeat myself. There is a way. It's called the ethos. Ethos. There is a way of behavior. How you behave in the bank is different from how you behave on the plane. How you behave in parliament is different from how you behave on the farm. Every workplace has its ethos. If you are a pastor and God has honored you with his flock, be very careful. Be very careful. Be very careful. My aim is to ensure that I am the one pastoring my members. Because the fact that you are the pastor of a church does not mean that you are the one pastoring them. Some of your members attend prophetic meetings, other meetings somewhere, and on Sundays they just come to sympathize with you. But the real pastor pastoring them is a prophet somewhere. It's a ma- oh yes, believe me. If you believe in God, believe also in me. You may be the one wearing the collar and with the tights, but the, the practical people pastoring your members. Some of your members are being pastored by pornography directors. Yes. As you, the, the, some of your members who are singing in the church, as she's standing in front of the, of the choir, singing the lead, she's bleeding in her panties from her last abortion. And you are standing there, you are the pastor, you have lifted your hands. You don't even know what life she's living because you don't even visit her. You've not spent one-on-one with her. Never. You are just a man of God who comes in your grace suit, you preach so I'm preaching, baby. You, you come in your grace suit, you preach a nice worldly message, and you are accepted out. And the people sitting in front of you, are being pastored by other entities. One pastor came to our church and saw the keyboardist. And when he finished, at, at the end of the convention, he, he met the keyboardist, or the keyboardist went to see him. So, ah, Eddie, I've not seen you around for the past, I've not seen you in church for the past two weeks. But how did you end up here? I said, two weeks. I've not been in church for three years. True story. I can mention names. I've not been in church for three years. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know he's supposed to remember. Because he is actually a hireling. And not a shepherd. The big difference between a hireling and a shepherd is not the suit they wear or the Bible they use or the grammar they speak. A hireling is essentially someone Jesus described as one who flees when he sees evil coming. When he sees the need to pay attention to the members, he flees. He's only interested in the numbers that come. The crowds, but the individuals who make up the crowd are none of his business. I'm preaching. I'm just saying that. Let me arrange my face well and smile so that you don't think I'm angry. 
very careful. You are dealing with somebody's wife. Please. You can be destroyed. You can be killed. You can literally be killed. Pastors are being eliminated. I was watching a video of a pastor. Big, world-class, mighty, great, wonderful, giant pastor. Big, huge. I was watching in amazement a YouTube video. I was hearing. You don't preach about the blood of Christ. The blood is not the gospel of the kingdom. When you preach these things, you scare the people away. What's the, what's the use of blood and the cross and so on? God brought us prosperity. He brought us happiness and enlargement. And that's what you as a pastor, you've got to preach. This was the face he made. You don't go preaching about blood and cross. Blood and cross. You scare the people away. You preach the, 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 the news of the kingdom. You don't go about preaching the blood and cross. The kingdom message is not the blood and the cross. It's peace and righteousness and joy and enlargement. He died on a rubbish dump. He died on a, literally on a rubbish dump. I won't tell you how he died so you don't have any ideas. They couldn't even find his body. He died on a rubbish dump. Before the castle. We shouldn't preach blood. We should preach money. I'm just saying that you are dealing with somebody's wife. Please, you can lose your life. You can lose your life. So today, I'm now coming to something very central to church goods. And that is Turn your Bibles with me, please. Second Chronicles. But before I read this verse, I want to read because I, I, I'm taking off from here. So allow me to give you a little foundation because this is it. Tell me about this is it. This is it. Tell me about we are now here. Say the hour has come. Yes. No, no, has. The hour has come. Say the hour has come. Yes. I'm trying to learn your accent. Now, to grow a church, uh, someone should help. Some people are using phones, they don't know how to operate them. It's not a crime. Just help him to turn it off. Yeah. As when you are using a phone, learn how to operate the phone. 
unless you stole it. Even if you stole it, spend five minutes to learn how to mute it, turn it off. <laughs> ah! Or learn how to remove the button. <laughs> Praise God. Now, now, listen. That was just something to lighten the atmosphere. But to grow a church, one of the major principles today, I'm, t- I'm sharing with you maybe the whole day, from two major principles of church growth. Now, the first principle is the principle of smaller subdivisions. Now, I'm taking off from here to go everywhere I want to go today. Yes. The principle of smaller subdivisions. In any case, the body, the human body grows because of cellular growth. It is the individual cells that are multiplying that guarantee our growth, our growth spurts. If you put on weight, it's your cells that are growing. So, nothing happens at the macro level until it is happening at the micro level. That is basic, basic bottom line. For a church to grow, for a ministry to grow, it must, and I'm talking about the growth that is calculated and sustained, not the mushrooming of crowds who have come to gather around rice and steel. I'm talking about a proper church growth. It cannot grow unless the church is organized. This is basic. Organized into smaller subdivisions. If your church is one large chunk of meat, you cannot experience that growth. That is not spurious. There are some growths which are spurious, fake. But we are talking about real growth of the church. This is it. Now, if you permit me, I'll read. It says, smaller subdivisions, are you here with me? Within the church, allow for better pastoral care, which eventually leads to church growth. Questions that cannot be asked in a large Sunday service can be addressed in the small groups. The small groups become the family units to which church members belong. So a real pastor who is aiming for the growth of a church, number one step, apart from all the things we said already, I mean, the, 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 the direct steps to take in the church is to ensure that the church does not exist as a tank. I 
And everything I'm sharing today is founded on this principle. And one more I'm going to also bring up. Your responsibility as a pastor is to fractionate. Fractionate your church. Let your church exist in small groups. Even if your church has 20 members, 2-0 or 1-5 or 1-0, make sure the 10 members are subdivided into smaller groups. Never, if you want to pastor a big church, if your vision is to pastor a large church, if you bypass this principle, you are headed for disappointment. No matter the size, some of us already have got a hundred members or a thousand members. Make sure that your church exists in small groups which make for pastoral, good pastoral care. I read on. He said, I have several smaller groups within the church. I have always believed that every Christian can and should actively serve the Lord. We are coming home now. These smaller groups allow for all Christians to get involved. So when you create, let me read on. As your church becomes mega, it will remain small enough to meet the needs of all the people. As it is said, large enough to include you and small enough to know you. Can we repeat it? Large enough to include you and small enough to know you. Can we take it again? Large enough to include you. Small enough to know you. Again, large enough to include you. Small enough to know you. Wow. Some people's churches are like large convention centers. People come in, hear the word, and go away. No human being likes to feel that he is not known. Nobody wants to be treated as a number. People want to be known and, 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 and identified from the crowd. That's how Jesus was able to see Zacchaeus. In the crowd, in the milling and teeming crowd, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. That was the turning point of Zacchaeus' life. Imagine Jesus moving and large crowds following him. Then he stops and pays attention to one man he said, today I must eat in your house. That, that was enough to turn Zacchaeus around. Learn it. Because I want to believe you are interested in the growth of your choir. I want to believe you are interested in the growth of your access ministry. 
a church, even if the, the choir, you see, if this is my church, my smaller subdivisions will be the choir that just ministered. It's one division. The assets who are working in the church, the treasurers who are counting money, the prayer warriors who have finished praying for the service, and then the, they are all different groups, including the satellite churches and the area fellowships and the home cells who have come and are among the members, among the congregation. Now, but for the, for the choir leader, for the leader of the choir, if let's say mommy is the leader of the choir, can you please stand up, my choir leader? So this, this is your choir. One, two, three. Let's ask four because people don't look happy. Let's go. Four. This is the choir. This is the choir. Mommy, this is your choir. You are the choir leader here. Now, for you, even though you and your group are my smaller subdivision, one cell. You also, as a leader of the square, if you want the square to grow, that is if. In math, we say if and only if. IFF. If and only if you want the square to grow, you have a responsibility to also break the square down. Mommy, everything I'm sharing today is based on this point. So don't forget, keep this picture in your mind. If you are overseeing this choir, and this is my smaller subdivision, you also must have your smaller subdivision. My smaller subdivision cannot be your smaller subdivision. So you, if you want this choir to grow, must break up this choir into six groups. And make sure that there are six groups with six leaders. So suddenly, my pastor here, thank you, sir, becomes a leader under you. Who also oversees, can you please stand up? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. Sorry for making you stand up. I know you are a rich man. <laughs> so, so, mommy, you stand here. Stand on this. Good. So, mommy is the pastor of the choir, choir pastor. And she also, because she respects the principle of smaller subdivisions, she has also broken the choir down. And suddenly, this becomes a smaller subdivision for her. Which for you, you must not allow this to be a smaller subdivision. So you must also break this down. So suddenly, you have two groups. Four and four. And you oversee them. Maybe you can make one the leader of this and one the leader of this. See, as soon as you do that, because from here, I'm going to the five-star principle. 
which is really the principle number one here in the presence of church. I've not touched it. I've left it for, for the best moment. So, 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 you, mommy, you are the leader of my smaller subdivision. Now, when I hand over a choir like this to you, don't just be interested in how much they, how, uh, how well they sing, how many songs they sing, who is soprano, who is bass, and who is, uh, what? Alto. And who sings like a goat? And also, while I'm at it, while I'm at it, allow me to say this. This, this light point I just made reminds me of something serious I must tell you. Listen, we don't form choirs in the church because we want good music. A choir is also an engine of growth. You see, what I have just said is the voice of a pastor who wants to grow his church. Because, mommy, if you agree with me, you, you know that in this choir, in every choir, only about 15% of the choristers sing well. The rest are all... Give me a word. <laughs> so you don't, you don't accuse me of saying something. exists because we want to have a small group to use for, you see, as a source of momentum for growth. That is why in every choir, we have front liners. Those who sing well. The rest are all bogus. But they are in the choir not to sing, but they are in the choir to be pastored. So the leader of a choir should not be, be, be possessed with a vision to make them into singers. But should rather be possessed with a vision to build the choir into a bigger group with members who are better Christians. If you don't have this mind in the choir, you are only going to oversee a group of intra fornicators. Yes. The leader of the auto is sleeping with the, with the one in the, the who sings the treble. <laughs> and some homosexual has appeared who is clearing the boys one by one. Yes, isn't I'm saying which is a joke. Just yesterday, Yesterday, when I went, I got a text about a lady in the choir. The, one, the pastor I have put in charge met her. She said she was in a relationship with somebody. Spoke to her, and I just was happy to be in a relationship. In just three months, she came to see me yesterday with her aunt. The aunt came and said, oh, she's pregnant for three months. And the chorister, chorister. He's pregnant for three months, and you have to have to force and have some uh, marriage ceremony and something. So, so, so I'm saying that a pastor of a group 
if you are a pastor of the ashes, ensure that that group is in your hands to build them to be stronger Christians and to grow the ashes. Grow them qualitatively and quantitatively. Mind you, we are not, not talking about church mushrooming. Church growth. So, he also, as the pastor of this group, now suddenly, suddenly, this brother, who would never have been known by you because you have, you have overseen a big crowd, suddenly, he's got somebody who visits him, who cares for him, and for every member who becomes established in the church, you are getting an additional growth factor in the church. Because one way to grow something is to ensure that there is no leakage. That is why the principle of maximized, sorry, smaller subdivisions is to close a major back door. So on Sunday, I expect this pastor to have a meeting. That's why you cannot be home watching netball. After church, or oh, you've done all that, you have a meeting. You meet Pastor Michael and his group. And you shadow Lady Pastor Adeline and her group. They come, you look at, at their attendance data. Because there must be records of attendance. <laughs> you see that it's not a small thing to be a pastor. You check and you share scripture. You take a book, a good general of the art of leadership. Say, today I just want to share something brief with you, and I need to hurry up because uh, um, Sister Adelaide's group, I also, you saw them outside, they're also going to come in. Can you imagine if every Sunday you have groups, like six group meetings? When you finish, you start the station. When do you think you get home? Sure. So when I find you at home on Sunday afternoon preparing a what's what's the food you eat here? Eh? Sata. Sata. A pastor like you, you are at home in the kitchen preparing sata. You've not met your groups. You've not evaluated attendance. It is in this meeting. That you will find out that Brother Stephen has missed some meetings. Brother Stephen, what is happening? Why? I can see some. It was in my church. We, our, our data is we use red and green for every member. I was happy. You know, call Accra to send me something. I'll show them that too. Green, that's it. Michael, what's your name? Sasha. 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 Brother Sasha. In my church, if you're in my church, the group you belong to, your name will be among the members. And then, week one, you are in August. Let's say July. Week one, week two, week three, week four, week five or 
than August. Week one, week two, week three. Your attendance. Week July, if you came for a meeting, you color your space green. Week two, if you came, green. Week three, if you didn't come, red. I'll show you when you I'm called. I'm getting something back. I'll show you. Week four, red. So when I look at the templates, I can already see that um, Lady Pastor Emilia is not a good shepherd. Or she's a good shepherd because you see that generally there are greens. Because we monitor small group meetings, if it's a home cell meeting, we don't just have meetings. We check the role. We color every member. We monitor weeks, your weekday church service attendance, your Sunday church service attendance, your, your small group meeting attendance, whether you've been visited, whether you pay your tax. So, so if the data is that we click, it's an Excel sheet. We click, when we click Sunday, Sunday down here, we see that Sasha, Sunday, green, 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 green. Wow, and some two reds. Then we click weekday service. Weekday service. Sasha, green, green, red, 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 because he was following a girl to Harari. Do you think I'll have time to, to, to do politics? Do you think if I'm doing this work, I will have time to run for mayor of my city? <laughs> then we, we click. You will see it soon. We click visitation. We see that Sasha, oh, in the month of July, was visited once. Good. If it's all right, it means he never enjoyed any visits. And I'm going to ask Brother Michael, why was Sasha not visited? This is the work we do on Sunday. This is the work we do on Sunday. We are at 6, 1 p.m., 3 p.m. The groups, if you come to my typical Sunday, to my reception, it's full of groups waiting for their time. And then I now have the one-on-one meeting. The brother I suspect is a homosexual. I have to meet you and examine your emails to see if it is funny. <laughs> you see how you cannot get on a Sunday? You see how if I find you on a Sunday at 12 o'clock, I wonder whether you are a normal pastor. Show you. You see, red. So if I take Sister Emilia's work, 
and it is all red. I said, no, she's not working. She's not working. In my church, we don't use numbers. Fifteen people came. Six came. Seven came. We don't do that. Because the numbers, I mean, we don't use faceless figures. That's this one. But the big one is coming. This is his group. You see. It's going to be protected. Green and red. Go and give it to them to protect. Names. We don't deal, we deal with names. Emilia. Sasha. I say Emilia. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Sasha. <laughs> names. Every member. Once the member is in a group in the church, we monitor you individually, not by number, your name. Principle because if this big piece of meat is even, even to cook this meat well, you must chop it up for the heat and the spices to enter it. You can't just put a chunk of pie into the you chop it up for the heat and the spices to enter. So you also as a pastor, you must keep chopping up your meat, chopping up your group till the smallest group experiences the heat and the spices and the marination. I'm a very great chef. <laughs> Don't try me. I'll give you food. You will have diarrhea for six weeks. <laughs> this is the work we do on the Sabbath day. When they sought to slay him, because he had worked on the Sabbath. Sabbath. So when I stand and I tell you that on, on Sundays I go home at 1 a.m., 12 midnight, that one day I was going home at 10 p.m., I felt very strange. I mean, I, I'm not boasting, or I'm not trying to make you feel, man. It, it's normal. I'm rather surprised that you are at home at 8 p.m. I'm surprised. Surprise. Any pastor sitting here with more than a hundred members, there should be enough work to do to keep you outside your house till 10 p.m. We've not even talked about the, 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 the teaching sessions you have to raise new trainee workers, trainee leaders, new people who you must also minister to. You open a book. Um, what is the name? The art of shepherding. And you teach them about the heart of a weekly. There are some groups I meet at 7 p.m. on Sundays. They know 7 p.m. straight. They are there. 7 p.m. Some know 5. Certain individuals, I meet them 11 p.m. 11. You can't get me at 10 p.m. Even 11, sometimes we start at 11.30. You have made the ministry to be a, 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 an unwanted stepchild, an irritant. It's like we are disturbing you by making you a pastor. But I've told you, you can watch it. One of these, you see that people will be removed from amongst us. Yeah. So you say, oh, this pastor is not there anymore. 
he's, he's not there. He, something has happened, he's, he's vanished. And think of the options. Anything that will ensure you are not the pastor of the church will be done. You watch it. It's a prophecy I'm giving you. Because you didn't joke with somebody's wife. If it's some, some girls going, walking around somewhere, that's fine. But not somebody's wife. So when you see me on Sunday, go in name. You, you see, they'll bring you see name after name. Michael Sasha, Ebenezer this, Francisca this, this every name, red, green, red, green. We are checking up. I ask uh, Michael, uh, but why has this person been away for three weeks? So, um, I didn't notice. You didn't notice? Don't you do your own evaluation? You're not building a faceless church. Smaller. I'm saying that any pastor who shunts away, shunts, no shunting, you shunt away from this. Or you bypass this principle. It means you want something which is spurious, not real. Yeah. We'll come to your church, we'll see a big crowd, but there's no foundation on that. Huh? Oh, yes. Oh, but you've forgotten the story Jesus Christ told that there were two men. Both of them built. They built a completed houses because you don't need a foundation to build. Luke says, but he that heareth my word and doeth it not is like a man that without a foundation buildeth a house. Old English. You can build without a foundation. <laughs> you can have a marriage without a foundation. You can fornicate till your wedding day. And still marry. It will be the same marriage and same wedding as those who kept themselves pure. If on Sunday there are two weddings, one here and one down, both will be weddings. Even though in reality, the one upstairs, the lady should have worn a leopard skin dress. Oh, I'm telling you, baby, she ain't got no right to wear white. The fornications and the abortions and the smoochings and the canoodlings. Canoodlings. Yes. Zoom it in. You don't need a foundation to build. I'm waiting for you. You must zoom it down. July to September, church service attendance. So this is one tab. I, I need someone. Uh, it's been, oh, someone that should help. You see down here, church meeting, Sunday service, visitation, call center. Has this person been called? Yes. We monitor. It's here. You see it. You are taking the ministry to be a hobby. 
caring for the sheep of God is not a hobby. That's why I humbly implore some of you to think of full-time ministry for this reason. Listen. You can't see the names well. Jones Bruce, Jennifer Opoku, Prince Boatu. One, the, please, I need that. Yes. So, give me, this is church meeting. So, click Sunday service. Yes. So, Sunday, what's happening? Yeah. Sunday, see, green. Prince was in church every Sunday. Green, green, green. So his leader, like Brother Michael here, every Sunday his work in the church is to also check attendance and color the templates. Ah, what do you think we are doing? <laughs> clap your hands if you are clapping, clap your hands. I wish I had another day for this conference. It's sad that it's over. Check. Do you have loyalty service? And you don't have loyalty service. This, this is another, this is another denomination. This is first lab data. But if I would show, give me another group. Everyone. So the leader is the one who colors green, green. He says, today, uh, whatever week, 3 of July, he sits down. Is Prince in church, green. Uh, Jennifer in church, green. It's, that's it. That's it. Please don't, don't make me feel dizzy. Yeah, so, so look at it. Look at it. Mommy, you can sit down. Thank you. This is it. Sunday. We click Sunday service. In fact, you must call Accra for my, because our system is different from your system. So call somebody to give me bread of life data, not first love data. Sunday service. Joseph Bruce. And you see, uh, Daniela Ado, Sunday, this week once, she wasn't in church, it's red. So, so when you take the template, you can tell Daniela's attendance. This month, she, she was not in church on two Sundays. Don't you think you would want to call Daniela and find out why she was not in church? Don't you think she would feel loved that she was not in church and her pastor called her? Wow! Call center. Click call center if they have called. They have been called. You dare not call. If I see red on call center, you pick your phone and you call. How are you? I'm checking on you. How is life? How was school this week? It's everything fine. So let me pray with you. I just have a, a, a scripture to share with you from John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And I just want to say that from this verse, God loves you. Know that God loves you. I just call to say to, to say to you, God loves you. Let me pray with you. Father, I pray for Emilia. I ask that you grant her strength to go through this week. Bless her. Bless her parents. Bless her house. And heal her body. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you in church, Emilia. God bless you. Kind. Then you die. Papa, Papa, you are calling Ebenezer. As you are calling, he's not picking because he's fornicating at that time. And he cannot wear his underwear and pick the call.
show you mine. It's more exhaustive than this. Yeah, they are in another church I oversee. But my personal church I pastor, <laughs> if you are a member in my church and you belong to a group because I, have, I am showing great respect for my pastor's principles, what he has used to found a denomination of 3,000 churches. If I can use it for my local church, don't you think I'll also see thousands? So you don't understand why you, your church is 128 members? If you have this work to do, if you have this work for even six groups under you as a pastor on Sunday, can you be home on Sunday afternoon? You yourself should not tell me. It is when you reduce the ministry to preaching. And also, let me tell you, if you don't do this work, do you know why your bishop invited me here? Because my preaching is different from somebody who is a Sunday morning preacher. It is enriched with experience. So I, I, I speak a language anybody who wants to build a church can relate with. Yes. I'm telling you, you cannot even preach well if you don't do this way because you are ministering. Feed my sheep, not feed my giraffes. You minister to them at their level, and you must know their lives. You must know their lives. That's why it's only a pastor who is passing at the cellular level who can write books like those who pretend, those who leave you, those who forget. Those who are ignorant, those who are dangerous sons, those who accuse you. If you, are, if you are just a mere preacher in a church, you will have nothing in you to write this volume of work. So to even enrich your teaching, that when you stand up and you are speaking, your words are meaningful and not noise-making. You can never get that type of ministry till you are a, a practical pastor. This is pastoring. <laughs> That's why I told you. What did you say that? Preaching on Sunday is about 5.5% of my work. You don't understand it. Yes. We've not come to the situation. We've not come to my personal soaking life, soaking of messages, listening, studying the word. Reading books. <laughs> what I'm doing here, I'm, I, it's my normal life. It's my normal life. It's my normal life. I'm constantly talking. My problem with my wife is how to keep our off days as off days because if she allows me 
But if she travels and I'm free, you come into my house. My house is a meeting ground. I call this group to come. The day I should be resting, come, come with your laptop. I want to see your attendance pattern. I want to review your, your work. Come. The day I should be resting. Because it is inside my soul. When I say on Sundays I'm not in church till night, it's not like some work. Many times I go home unfulfilled. So unfulfilled. I said, Lord, I wish I could do more today. I can't. Sometimes with the people who wait for me, I really feel sorry for them. So I can't say wait for two hours. I'm not eating. I don't eat on Sundays. I don't eat. My stress is a six pack. I don't eat. It's just recently my wife has warned me that. If I don't eat, she will beat me. <laughs> so she brings food to the church and sets spies on me. <laughs> so I go and sit there and take pictures. There's no appetite. Even when I'm eating, I call people to, I'm having meetings as I'm eating on Sunday. Oh, yes. I said, bring two plates. Let's, my food. Let's uh, take half. Let's eat. As you are eating, you are talking. Why were you not in church yesterday? Truly, <laughs> nothing I'm saying to you is an embellishment. Nothing. Why? Because I'm dealing with somebody's wife. I do not want to be jailed or killed, or destroyed, or tortured. Do you know somebody's wife? So, so I'm going on, I'm reading. Hmm. Some people's churches are like large convention centers. People come in, hear the word, and go away. No human being likes to feel that he is not known. People are not numbers. They are human beings. Nobody wants to be reduced to a numbered article or a countable commodity. What? People want to feel important. I'm still on the principle of smaller sub divisions. People want to feel important. People want, want to feel necessary. People want to feel loved. You may preach a powerful sermon, but they still need to belong to a little family. Your church can be broken into cells, divisions, or departments. Our church has chapels, ministries, and fellowships. I am always encouraging my members to get involved in one ministry or the other. How can I know all the people who come to church? How can I know what they think or feel? How can I know their problems? And how can I help them? One man. If you think that God is going to give you a word of knowledge about these people every day, you are making a mistake. 
God expects you to break up your church into smaller divisions so that the people can receive adequate pastoral care. Clap your hands for Jesus. So, so this is how to grow a church. If you come, you see, like what is Bishop is saying there, they come in, they hear the word, and go away. I'll tell you, I'm talking to you as a pastor. This is pastor to pastor interaction. There are many gimmicks we can introduce in our church to bring people into the church. I, 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 don't, I don't want to waste even a minute of Bishop's time. I could have given you tricks, things to do. They will just enter the church. But if this principle is absent from your pastoral efforts and your pastoral initiative, you are only going to gather a church that at best can be called an ephemeral. Do you know ephemeral? It's a type of plant. E-P-H-E-M-E-R-A-L. Ephemeral. When we say something is ephemeral, it means it is short-lived. Yes. Ephemeral. It appears and disappears. As against the mighty oak tree, which abides, the palm tree, which abides, the cedar tree, which abides forever. We are I did not abandon my medical career, enter the, the ministry to, to build an ephemeral church. Yesterday I was watching yesterday's pastor's conference at Rwanda or somewhere in Kabwe or somewhere you know, in Zambia. And Bishop was saying, he was preaching and talking about uh, a lady who had just read a scripture for him. Lady Pastor Bibia, she sings. These are all just she's been with you for 26 years. So I officiated her wedding. Yes. Everybody around him, the minimum, um, when you see him moving, the people around him, I don't know of anybody who has been with you for less than 20 years. No, not one. Not one. Maybe some one, maybe eighteen years. Build something that lasts. The way you are passing your church, do you think that existing members today will be in your church in twenty years' time? You just gather people to take pictures for Facebook. You are wasting your time. When something is of God, one of the reasons why we know something is of God is that Luke 1 or 2 says, Whatsoever the Lord doeth, it is forever. I'm asking you, Pastor, your church. I had a chance, I mean, you can tell. I had a chance to go to America. I'm a doctor, I passed my exams, I can, I'm, I can work anywhere. But I chose to be with my pastor. Is there any member of yours who haven't had the chance to go to London 
will say he wants to be with his daddy. He wants to be with you instead of going to London. Many of your members are with you because they don't have any visas. The day they get visas, but people are pastoring children who have got green cards but are still with him. Brown cards, yellow cards. Because everybody will respond to care. I was a medical student in Ghana. My wife was working in London. So I, I was a student, I didn't have money. And I wanted to marry. Because the type of problems I was having in me, I said, no, if I don't take her, I'll disgrace myself. <laughs> And to beg, I'm ashamed. So my wife was working in London. She had money. And she also had to be there. So we had our wedding in London. 23 years ago. My pastor, Bishop, he was in Accra. He flew KLM to come to London to officiate my wedding and return to Accra the following Monday morning. Why do you think I'll not be with him? When you see him with him, I've not been threatened with a case. Rather, I know that if I joke with my relationship with him, I will be cursed indeed because I have received from him. Yes. There's a certain type of love when you experience, you are even very careful how to be misbehave or not to behave towards a person. But you've not done much for them. You just, you just preach. And your preaching is also not nice because, you know, because there's what's called synergy. If you don't work well, if you don't work well, you can have richness of the resource to impart. You just speak grammar, take scriptures, look for Hebrew words, and say some nice stories and anecdotes and go away. Yeah, but as I'm preaching, can tell I'm not I'm not preaching I'm not preaching anecdotally. That's what you can spell anecdotes. Rise up! That's why when we come with books and we say, read the books, read, transform. Oh, how I wish this meeting was four days. This book. Bishop, I, I, I sense in my spirit that a year by this time, Harvest House will be a very different church. cannot live here and be the same. You can't live here and be the same. The members who have been given to you, they need you. You see, it is when you love them, you care for them. So, so see, um, Emilia, who receives a call, will think that, wow, the pastor, I like her. Of course I love her. I care about her. But she doesn't know that I've developed tools that's why I said, you, how long can you have bread of knowledge? <laughs> let's, let's be serious. I mean, how often will you have prophetic words about one person? But the, if you work well, you will know how to minister to them. So every Sunday, a lot of my members, they send me text messages. 
that, oh, I wanted to see you to discuss something with you, but it was straight in the message you were preaching. So I couldn't come. Because as I'm preaching, I'm ministering practical. I'm not feeding them above their heads. I'm not preaching in the air. I'm not feeding giraffes. I'm feeding sheep. I, I come to them at their level and put the grass in their mouth. So they are, they are happy. One brother, I mean, from another country, he came to church one Sunday. I, I, I met them two years after. They have become a group in the church. And I met that group one Sunday evening. And I asked them, how did you come to the church? So I, I came. They said, this brother, he came the first time. When he came, he said he couldn't believe that there's ministry like this. There's preaching like this. So he went. These were groups of this type of, you know, fraudsters, internet, some, some very wild guys. So he went and told the group that, hello, I've met a, a pastor. He said, oh, this church people, so fake pastors and so on. He said, look, you know something? You guys, uh, come with me one Sunday. Let's all dress and go to church. You see their hair like demons. When they appear in the church, you will say, demons have come here. <laughs> Very wild-looking type of guys, you know, body, dirty, wild. <laughs> he brought the friends. They sat at the back of the church. One day, one Sunday, that was two or three years ago. Last Sunday, they were in church. Yes. When they sat down, an ordinary message, they said, wow. Because when you work well, the work you do, visiting, talking, chatting, interacting, helping, it enriches your teaching. You don't just preach Hebrew words. When you minister, you, it, it resonates in the heart of people. But when you are at the time, just come Sunday with a ring here and a big chain like a rapper. You know? Yes. You just, you just come to the church. You just preach a watery sermon. You say something to them. And you go. The people sitting there, they don't even feel they have a pastor. Neither do you yourself have any ministry. You just come, you speak some words and some nice English and you're going to borrow some American language, you've killed your head. Uh, today, I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about enlargement, you know. God brought us to some place, as Jesus also said, that we got to be enlarged. Say enlarge. Stupid man, you are a stupid man. You are a stupid man. Take me, take me to June, uh, January, uh, February, May. This is July. Okay, you come this way. I'm sure there's a new cell. I wanted a, a cell which began in January, but you take me back. Take me back. I need something better than this. This is the only one you have. I, I can't do much with this. Go to Basel meeting. Let me see.
Get me a better template, please. So, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you something today. I'm, this is a very new group. A new group. It was founded at started in July or so. I want something more comprehensive. But, but I'm just telling you, Pastor, be, and work well. If you have a wife here, encourage your husband to work well. When your husband comes home on Sunday at 3 p.m., you, you call him, say, say, are we not at the meeting? You, you, mean, <laughs> you couldn't understand what the man was saying. Why are you home at this time? Then he will also ask you to, why are you also home at this time? Let's all go and do visitation. <laughs> Look, church work, when we were children, young boys and girls, we used to sing a song. We don't hear it now. It is a great thing to serve the Lord. It is a great thing to serve the Lord. It is a great thing to serve the Lord. Walking in the light of God. It is a great... Look, the ministry work is called a beautiful job. Yeah. It's beautiful. If you do it well, if you do it well, you will, you, you will disdain any profession. But there are some of us pastors here. You are only waiting for Bishop to retire. Because the ministry is, is a chore. It's a bore. Because of how you are doing it. And, you're, and I'm saying that this church growth you are talking when anybody mentions church growth, Ask the person, what type of church growth are you talking about? The spurious mushrooming of a congregation or a methodical, intentional, line-by-line work of building a church. And that methodical way of building a church is what I mean. Break your group down. And that brings me to a very, very central point for the rest of the day. I'm going to be sharing with you because it's going to take us into many great things. If you don't have it, stop because I'm moving away from there. Just stop it. I'm now, based on all the things I've said, I've got a few minutes, I'm introducing it. And then when we go on break and we return, we take it up again. There is a principle, you know, I've shared with you the principle of maximize Sunday usage. Not so. The principle of being a scholarly pastor. The principle of um, smaller subdivisions. Now, at this time, I am introducing the principal Bishop Doug Heward Mills introduces as his number one principle for church growth, which draws or derives its strength and motivation from the principle of smaller subdivisions, building the church at a cellular level, like I've shown you on the screen. 
Now, the principle I'm talking about today, number one, is the principle of the multiplied senior pastor. No mega church pastor can avoid this. Actually, this principle and the principle of smaller subdivisions are synergistic. They feed into each other. You cannot have smaller subdivisions in your church if you do not have respect for this principle of the multiplied senior pastor. He said, I have discovered that if you could multiply the senior pastor by 12, it would mean that you had 12 pastors at work. Not so. You are the senior pastor. If I multiply you by 12, it means every day, 12 times what you are capable of doing is being unleashed on the work you are doing. I read on. Logically, you could do 12 times as much work. I taught my assistant pastors to do whatever I do. If I meet people after church, they should also meet people after church. <laughs> if I am able to counsel 10 people and 12 other pastors are able to counsel 10 people, that makes 130 people who are being attended to. Beautiful wisdom. This is not rice and steam, Pastor. This is intelligence. Deliberate. Attempt to move a church forward in every area of its existence. There are some churches in which the senior pastor is a superman. Batman, Spider-Man. <laughs> he is the only one who does anything important. And that is a sure recipe to keep your church small. If you want to have a persistently small church, the best way to guarantee that type of church is to be a one-man-thousand pastor. One-man-thousand. But in the church, you are the only anointed one. Nobody can do what you do. When you step into the church, angels bow. Because God has entered. Useless. There are churches in which the senior and after today, may you not be a superman in your church. 
He's the only one who does anything important. One person can only attend to a certain number of people. The Bible says, man at his best is altogether vanity. You can't do much. <laughs> One person, you can attend to only a certain number of people. That's why most Sundays I go home feeling unfulfilled, feeling unhappy. If you try to visit, counsel, and help everybody, you will go crazy. It's here. He says you will go crazy. You want to counsel everybody. You want to visit everybody. And that is what Jethro, Moses' mother, uh, father-in-law, saw that Moses was doing. Madness! Millions of people you have brought out. You see, that's what I'm talking about. You see, you can have the wisdom to even build the church and lack the wisdom to fail the church. You can have the wisdom to gather the people and lack the wisdom to care for them, to maintain them. And I want every pastor here to have a vision and a dream and a goal. But in 20 years' time, you will have your existing members around you. That you too, when you are preaching one Sunday, in 30 years' time, you will say that Abigail, I obviously did her wedding. Michael, I was also, he's been with me for 30 years. For how long are you going to have a church that is just having a very high turnover? They come and they go. They come and they go. What I'm sharing with you today is a major locker of back doors in the church. There is a limit to what you can do. That is why I have many branches and many pastors. I believe that many of the people I preach to can also preach. Yes. Which is very much unlike you. You see yourself as Tarzan. Reverend Dr. Tarzan. I believe that many of the people I preach to can also preach. I believe that many of the people who are receiving the word now are capable of rising up into the ministry. And this is like many are called. Do not let an insecure, do not be an insecure senior pastor. Don't be afraid to trust people. It is true that many people will betray your trust. But if you live in fear, Satan will have access to your life and ministry. I have been hurt by some people. But I have decided to still trust others to help me. If they betray me one day, I will take it in stride. And keep on trusting some more. One of the reasons why some people cannot trust is because they do not believe that people can do a good enough job. In the medical field, 
Young doctors are being trained all the time. All the time. Some people are always attended to by inexperienced student doctors under supervision. As a young doctor, doctors are allowed to have a goal. They learn, and soon they are just as good. It is the same in the ministry. People must be trusted with responsibilities under supervision. Brother Michael working with these six people is working under the supervision of Lady Pastor Abigail. Learn to trust to get people to work under supervision. They must be allowed to do important things. They will multiply the number of capable pastors in the ministry. The principle of the multiplied senior pastor is one of the major wisdom keys used by even secular leaders, but primarily used by demons. Satan does not need to be here. Once he has agents, well trained, <laughs> he, can be, he, can, he can rest assured that those agents will deliver the goods. Will get the job done. Anything that is done by one great, there is nothing like one great man. In fact, in fact, to be great, you must have many people helping you to be great. There is nobody who becomes great alone. That's why the agenda of even Jesus going to the cross, dying needed the people around him to help. He worked with 12 disciples. He worked with women. If Jesus multiplied himself in people, how come you are a one man thousand thousand Batman in your church? My dear friends, before we go on break, I want to sound this clearly without any aberrations that your ministry is no ministry if you are alone. The notion that you are the only one is even demonic. You cannot be the only one. You cannot be the only one. That's what I see. It, 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 it is that madness that Elijah had which made him lose his work. Madness. A woman is chasing you, he goes and says, I'm the only one. I said, ah, Elijah, what are you talking about? You, 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 you are the only one. I'm the only one. Since when did you become the only one? There are thousands of others who have also not bowed. But there comes a time, so sometimes, when God lifts you. Some of you, even the grace of God has lifted you to a place where you yourself cannot believe you are where you are. 
And where you are is so mysterious that you, you can easily believe that nobody else can come there. But the same hand that picked you and put you on that chair is also able to pick others and pick them and put them in great places. You cannot be the only one. can't be the only one. How can you be the only one? You are insulting God. See, and that is what makes, makes people feel arrogant. Because you always think of yourself as one in a long chain. Anything you are doing, if you are breaking away from a church, remember you are not the only one. <laughs> I'm, I'm teaching you something. Always, but if I'm standing here, I'm not the only one who can stand here. If I'm standing here, it's just the grace of God and the mercy of God. But the moment you begin to see yourself as the, the man, the man of God, oh, I should have brought some, I was going to bring some rings to wear to show you that I'm a man of God. <laughs> I have some chains. If I wear it now, you'll respect me. Your respect. But what, what's the point? If you are a pastor of a church, one of your responsibilities is to ensure that people who sit at your feet are also transformed. Are also transformed. Your work is not to be just a preacher. Your work, you are a transforming agent. If your ministry is, is patterned after Christ, then you must begin, start it today, to have a ministry that changes people. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you, I will change you, I will transform you. If your ministry does not change people, and I'm not talking about a ministry that changes poor people to, into millionaires and, 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 and wealthy men. We need to, if you are a pastor, there should be people like you in the church. This brother, come, Richard, come. Who put up his data? I mean, I can't tell you much for security reasons. I see some people at the back. I don't know who they are, so I can't. <laughs> it's not a small man. He works for a very great person in the country. He joined my church from another branch, the same lighthouse, another branch. He had been there for how many years in that branch? Fourteen years. I feel like knocking your head. Fourteen years. He was in the church for fourteen years. Did not do anything. Yes, because there are, it may be, so many different types of pastors. Then, he was chasing a girl. And found himself in my church. And you've been with me for how many years? Yeah, since 2012. So we are talking about five years. 
came to the church, this type of people would come around and, you know, the way they even walk. It's like they are shoulders, like a, it's like an armored car. <laughs> and he comes here, he goes to sit at the back, you know, he just sit down, no Bible, he just crosses legs. And, as I'm preaching, he just tapped in his tie. But within a year, when I drew him close to me and his wife close to me, one day I was in church and I saw him at a weekday service. What? This man, even Sundays, is a specially invited guest. Tuesday service. Was sitting there. One day I was having some meetings with some leaders. And he came and said, You would like to join? I said, John, because you see, when you are a pastor, I, I'll, I'll show you, I think when you come in there, I'll show you about five types of people you must look out for in the church to work in your church. And one of them, I'll tell you that, and I'll say it again, is People who admire you. Yeah. Who admire you. You cannot admire me and go scot free. I was in my office one day and a husband and a wife came. They sat with me. So, I said, Oh, to what do I owe this honor? So, we just came to just talk to you. You joined this church for a while. And we've not had any one-on-one anything. So we just said, if you wanted to see it, oh, wow, that's nice. I was like, oh, we, we really admire you. You know, my wife talks about you. I'm always talking about you. I mean, the, the church we came, it's a very vibrant church. The way you preach, the, the authority you have and all that. And we, we just like you. As we were talking, I heard in the voice, the Lord said, catch them. <laughs> so I just sitting there enjoying this. I said, wow, that's nice. I said, my friend, don't waste my time. I have a meeting this evening at 7 o'clock. So go home. I want to see you in church by 6.45. If you are a man, don't come. So, don't come. Then the wife asked, oh, um, Bishop, so what kind of meeting is it? I said, it's a meeting for church workers from today. You are one of my shepherds in the church. Oh, Bishop, it's awesome. I said, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Oh, Bishop, no. Oh, wait, we don't. How? I said, come in the evening. Today, that man and his wife, they have a, a large area, a zone, and they bus over hundreds of people into the church. Don't allow anyone to admire you for free. Don't allow anyone to admire you for free. It's one of the groups. Don't. He came close to me. He came, so he wants to be with me. I was last year when I was here in Bulaw, he came with me. Yes. You cannot follow me as a banker and as a rich man 
I'm not, I'm not producing rich men. I'm producing fishes of men. And to the glory of God, today, he's a pastor in the church, putting his data on the screen. Yes! You have served yourself with rich men who only give you envelopes. Envelopes. Oh, Bishop, can you have this? Oh, Pastor, can you have this? Envelope. Ask me if you gave me an envelope. What which envelope? Envelope. Am I a postmaster? <laughs> we are working. We are building the church. And the laborers are few. And if the laborers are few, you cannot allow someone who admires you to go scot free. Economists came in the night. Hi. Don't on the door. On the door. Yes, not when Jesus opens it. Nicodemus, what are you doing here? See, I just come to say something to you. Okay, sit down. Said Jesus, I admire you. You are a great man. No man can do these works except God is with him. Sit down. Nicodemus, what are you doing here? Oh. I just want you to know I admire you. You admire me. Then the first step is that you must be born again. <laughs> the first step must be born again. John 3.16, born again. <laughs> By the time the story of Jesus was over, Nicodemus had appeared at the end as a disciple. At the end of the story, we don't see him with Peter and Koba. Nicodemus was one of the men. He appeared at the end with Joseph of Arimathea. Don't allow people to just mill around you. Oh, Bishop, I like your preaching style. You like my preaching style? You also preach one day. I like your style, baby. <laughs> and to build a church, a pastor, Thank you. To build a church, you must stop seeing yourself as the one and only. No. Begin to see that you are not the only one with the call of God on your life. That is if your agenda is to build a big church, which is your prophetic destiny. And that is why I want to close the session with Second Chronicles 26. Then we'll take a break and come back, God willing, and end the session. Second Chronicles 26. And he made in Jerusalem, verse 15, engines, talking about Uzziah the king. 
invented by cunning men. And note it. He, not they, he made in Jerusalem, and this word he is a very important word every senior pastor must understand. He, the he principle. He made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad. For he was marvelously helped. So he was One of the causes of weakness in churches is the absence of helpers. Weak ministries. If you want to build a weak ministry, be a Spider-Man. If you want to build a ministry without power, build a ministry as a Superman. If it's not enough, add the skills of Batman. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, as we end this session, hear me and hear me well. Because some of you, when you are hungry, you can't listen carefully. But try and listen well. You cannot do much. You cannot be strong alone. Your hub cannot be a strong hub alone. The hub, the church that is strong is the church or the hub whose pastor is being helped. You can see, even to minister to you well, I'm being helped. I'm being helped. As I'm here, the, the, the people who came are working behind the scenes. They're doing a lot of work. Any pastor who doesn't understand help is bent not to do well. Is 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 headed for a ministry of destruction. You see. Turn your Bible to Psalms. Psalms. Or Genesis 49. Before, let's go to Genesis 49. I want to teach you something as we leave here. Bishop, I think I've got some 20 more minutes. Yes. 20 more minutes, just 20 minutes. I want to tell you something as we go. Because we come back because the evening session is short. I mean, we are too. 
to build a strong hub. You must be helped. Genesis 49, verse 15. 25, verse 25. This is how God wants to relate with you as a pastor. Catch this well. If anybody asks you what was one of your best moments of the conference, of the retreats, is this moment. Don't miss this. I'm putting something in your hand. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help you? And by the almighty, who shall bless thee? Now, it is in this verse that we get to understand how God helps a man. How many of you want to know how God is going to help you in your hub? How does he bless you? Number one, he blesses you with the blessings of the heavens, heaven above. Can we all say above? I'm teaching you as we go. This is a teaching session. Just a small micro teaching session. The blessing of the heaven above. The blessing of the deep that lieth under. And finally, the blessings of the breast and of the womb. Breast and womb. Even by the God of thy father, anybody listening to me who desires the help of God should hear me and hear me well. That if God, by even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee? If God wants to help your ministry, he helps you in three ways. He helps you at three levels. And you cannot advance without these three levels. You take two out of the three, you can't do much. You take one out of the three, is inconsequential. Only three over three will advance your ministry. Yes. The Lord who shall help thee with the blessings of the heaven above. Blessing of the deep that lieth under and the blessing of the breast and of the womb. Three levels. If you are a pastor and you want help for your ministry, you must enjoy help at these levels. Number one is help coming from people above you. Goodness gracious. I'm teaching now. No 
man becomes great without the blessings and the help that comes from people above you, above you, above you, higher than you. And the next level of ministry, help, is the help that comes to you from people at your level. The breast and the womb. These are resources at your level. <laughs> and the third level, you cannot do without. I'm explaining to you why some of you have got impoverished ministries. Desolate ministries. Ministries that are pathetic. Because no man, there is no man, living or dead, who has become great without these three levels of help. The third level is the help that comes from people under you. From people who are above you. Help from people who are at your level. And help from people who are below you. There are some of us here who only are able to relate with people at our level. But there are certain times where people at your level cannot lead you anywhere. Every pastor here must be in a deep relationship with people who help you from above. And that is what Nicodemus came to tell Jesus. In verse 2 of John 3. And I'm talking now about the help that comes from above. 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 Above, above, he said, Rabbi, we know, John chapter 3 and verse 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. In John chapter 5 and verse 30. Jesus said. I can of my own self. Do nothing. As I hear. I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will. But the will. Of the father which has sent me. My dear friend. <laughs> I'm talking about. Help. The multiplied senior pastor. The multiplied senior pastor. The first type of help you must look for as a pastor is help from above. Yes. God must help you. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says, Not by might and not by power, but by my spirit. 
help from above. As I'm standing here, I'm, even, even, even as I'm preaching, you may think I'm alone. I, I'm, I'm receiving help from above. A lot of the things I've said here this morning were not part of what I intended to, to say to you. I'm being helped live. This is live help. Apart from the help I've received in my room and the help I've received before coming here. Above. Is God helping you? Do you even fear God? You want to build a big church and you are a crook. I'm preaching. You want to build a big church, you don't fear God. You can sit in your bedroom and talk anyhow about a man God has sent. This one is the highest form of help. There is no help any man can give you that can parallel this help God gives you. It's God, your ministry. Are you sure the Holy Ghost is helping you? Think of the bitterness in you. Think of the pollutions in your heart. Some of you are here, you are on pornography. And you think by just singing mantras and singing songs, you are going back to your heart to build a big church. He said, the God who shall help thee with the blessings of the heavens above. The first help that makes a man a man of God is that heaven is helping him. You are looking at a man God is helping. I can't give you details. Above you. You can't just surround yourself with area boys. You can't surround yourself with area boys and people whose thinking is twisted just like you. That that was a problem, actually, of Rehoboam. Come to think of it. He he had just become king. And he had the privilege to receive help from above. Because the help from above is not just help from God or the Holy Spirit, but help from the agents of God. Jeremiah 3.15 And I will give you pastors. You think you can do well in your heart by disregarding the authority of your pastor? You must be talking. To think of him as your equal because you wear the same type of shoes. Or you drive the car he drives. Any man of substance is being held from above. I'm being held from above. Yes, my pastor is helping me. He talks to me. He guides me. The day I take his help from my life, off my life, is a day you will will discover how indeed useless I am. This one is a held life. I'm being assisted to stand here. I want to ask you, who are those helping you from above? Who are those above you? You are here in Harvest House. You're going to take somebody's pastor to be your head. You are here, American pastors. T.D. Jakes is your man of God. You are such an idiot. 
CDJ is your man of God. When God has given you a father, a pastor, a mentor, somebody has anointed for you. And you wait and see how your end will be. You are just here because you must come and mark your register. But really, you don't, you don't, you don't have any value for things happening here. No, no, no. If you don't come, they'll ask why they didn't come. You are being disloyal. And what is it? But really, your heart has left. Yes. yes. And, 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 and there's no sky above you. There's no, there's no covering above you. Yes. But he said, the sun should not smite you by day. A minister should not be smitten by the moon by night. A minister who builds something substantial is being covered. I'm being covered. My back is covered. My head is covered. You may see me here alone. But my, I'm here with my pastor's blessing. You had some two or three prophetic visions and you say, now you, you are a prophet and we cannot even talk to you. We cannot even guide you. Any advice we give you, it's like we are playing table tennis with you. We play, you play. Keka, 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 keka. We play, you play. Some of you, as I'm preaching, I play and you play. I play and you play. I play and you play. You wait and see. Above. To do well. It's called help. The blessings of the heaven. If you don't enjoy it, you are a mere man. You can wear chains. You can wear crocodile skin shoes. You can wear rings. You can wear. You can. You can even put a crown on your head. He said, "Even by the Almighty God, the God of your Father, who shall help you? And how does He help you? First of all, with the blessings from the heaven above you." Are you really being ministered from above you? Who speaks into your life? Some prophet in town. Ask the prodigal son. Anybody who disregards the God-given father you have in your life, you only end up eating with pigs till you return from home. And when you come, we'll throw a party for you, but that day of dancing is your only help you get from the church. That's why if, if I come to your house and you are reading the art of leadership, you are receiving help from above. The, the author of this book is above you. He's above you. He, at least, if he's done nothing in this life, he's written a book. You cannot even reply a letter. You've got letters you've not replied. Always ask you see, that's why in Jeremiah 16, 6 verse 16, and he said, he said, stand ye in the way. Jeremiah 6, 16, stand ye in the way and see and ask for the old paths and walk in them. Wherein is the good way and ye shall find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in said, we will not walk in it. So stand ye in the ways and see. And when you are asking, ask for the old parts. 
Don't ask this modern day cyber Christianity, I gospel, I Christianity is useless. The old path, the good old path is the good old path. And God gives us men like Bishop. Men like Bishop Dagmar who are above us, who teach us the old paths. You have come with some brand new theories. Brand new theories. Jesus was working on the Sabbath day. He worked until they wanted to kill him. You are at home because you have found a brand new way of caring for the sheep. There's nothing else apart from the old paths. Oh, yes. Yes. Old paths. Old-fashioned, old parts. We may use iPad, we may use iPhone, we may use iToilets, but my dear friend, the old part is the old parts. Don't let your uh, tablet deceive you. To work with God, you ask. It's like when you go and you see, ask specifically for the old parts. Old parts. Wherein is the good way? <laughs> the way to build the mega church is the way I'm telling you today. Do not just regard, sweep away the authority figures above you and think that you, one of the curses that actually placed on Cain was the curse of being a vagabond roaming about. You shall be a vagabond. Somebody who never finds a resting place. Today you are here. Tomorrow you are there. Tomorrow you are there. But by the grace of God, since I received the help from above me, I've stayed in one church for over 26 years. 26 years I'm here. Who? By the grace of God. I cannot see myself attending Harvest House or attending uh, Glorious International. But my church is my church. I like it. You too like your church. Number two. The second level of help you will need is the help at your level. It's called the help of the breasts and the womb at your level. There's no breast that is higher than you. <laughs> Look. Those of you, you know there's some people also who feel that in the church they can only relate with bishop and his wife. It's like you 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 are into seniors. But this type of our own pastors and these, uh, you have no respect for them. That the only people you can relate with are the men of God. It's like, it's, it's just, but this type of little boys and girls with the um, chamber and hall ministries, we, we, don't, we don't have any respect for them. Turn your Bible to Isaiah. Isaiah 3, I'm ending. Yes. <laughs> Isaiah 3, verse 6. We may all be pastors in the church, 
But some people, even though they are your brothers, they are ahead of you. Yes, we are up. I'm also called a bishop. I'm a bishop. Bishop Colin is a bishop. But I am a son to him. When I finished medical school, the doctors who taught me were called doctors. And I was also called a doctor. Don't let a title send you to the psychiatric hospital. Don't go mad. When a man shall take hold of his brother, I'm talking about help. He takes hold of his brother, of the house of his father, and says, Thou hast clothing, be our ruler, and let this ruin be under thy hand. Clap your hands for Jesus. Amongst us, there are some of us here who have got clothing. Among the churches, maybe the pastor of the Joburg church may have something that the pastor of the Harari church does not have. Humble yourself and see what your brother has that you don't have and tell him to let this ruin be under your hands. My desolate church, please help me to build it. Help at your level. And it is only humility that will let you see that your classmate has something you don't have. In fact, when we were in school, were we not taking questions to our classmates to work for us? Let's come a question. Said, how? Can you work? Oh, this one, just use Ball's Law. And yes, the term, oh, no, no, you have to add 273. Okay, add two to it. And you say, ah, that's how I said, yeah, you're mate. When I was in school, primary school, I wrote my. Uh, what we call in Ghana common entrance examination to secondary school. I wrote it in, um, in class five and I passed to go to secondary school. But for a reason or two, financial reality just declared, my mother had no money. So I had to stay in classes, which was really the year to write the exam. But I had written it in class five and I passed. So in, the, in class six, my teacher made me his assistant. Yes. So in class six, I was teaching my classmates. I was wearing shorts, wearing the uh, 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 whatever color. And in the morning, I'll, I'll, I'll give them exercises. I'll, I'll come to, check, I said, to, to, to the classroom, take a piece of chalk. Number one. Number two. Start work. Ten questions. Twenty minutes. And I'll be walking up and down. <laughs> Me. Twenty minutes. Yeah, stop work. Change the, change the, um, change your uh, uh, answer sheets. Give yours to somebody and mark. Yes, number one, Abigail. Go and solve it. She goes, she's not working. I just, I, I, I will ask her. Bah! Bah! Yes, me. My teacher was sitting at the back watching me lash my members because we may all be brothers, but somebody has something you don't have. We may all be brothers, but there's a brother who has clothing. He says, one will take hold of his brother and say that, you've got clothing. Be our ruler. Some of you, your hubs will be very nice and healthier and bigger 
if you could humble yourself to see some of your fellow pastors to help you. But your arrogance and your empty pride. We may all. I mean, a certain man had two sons. One was a fool. One was wise. The younger brother could have asked his brother, you know, I'm going, but advise me. That's it. Don't go. Always, in every family, there's one that God lifts or two to become luminaries. Your humility has said, you know, this man, we are all pastors. We all have ministries. We all have branches. But you've got something I don't have. That key is the little thing that makes a big difference to who rises and who remains plateauing permanently till he dies. Be thou our ruler. Guide us. We are brothers. You are He talks about the blessing of the breast and the womb at your level. Your level. Your friends. Some of you husbands, you could do with a little advice from your wife. Yes, from your wife. Just a word. A little advice from your wife could deliver you from the insanity that is plaguing your life. I'm preaching, mommy. A little counsel, just a word from your wife could deliver you from the insanity that is plaguing your ministry. Always, there's people at your level, your colleagues, your wife, your friends at your level. There's somebody who has got something you don't have. Why will Bishop Colinati invite me here and display somebody's books in his conference? He recognizes that there is something Harvest House does not have. So even if the man himself will not come, let his son come and say something. And you are sitting there, you will not learn from your pastor because you are an idiot. Will you have a conference and display your brother's books? You. When can you clap your hands for this great man of God we have as our father? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Bishop, we celebrate you. We do. Yeah. You, are, you are modeling leadership. 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 And we will learn. No matter how foolish we are, we will learn. Be seated. I'm ending. My time is up. I'm doing extra time, and it's not it's not appropriate to do extra time. I can see that you've got clothing. Be my ruler. Any of you, you you want to see Bishop calling before you take advice. Even in our church. That is why some missionaries are not doing well. Because they want to be communicating with only the father. But there are people around him. They may even be girls. Who may help them come out of their quagmire. But they will not. So I sent the text. Maybe I'm waiting for the text to be required. May God deliver you. May you learn that the help God gives you. Help from above. 
help at your level. And finally, help that is below you. Turn your Bibles and let's go. Genesis 30 and verse 30. And we end with this. 30, 30. Genesis 30, 30. This is a grown-up talking to a little boy, a young man, who had gone to him to tell him to give him leave, to sign his leave form. He wants to go. He said, and the young man said, for it was little which thou hast before I came. Jacob is speaking. And it is now increased unto a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming. And now, when shall I provide for my own house? Allow me to also go. But the key here is that Laban had a small boy called Jacob. He came to be with him. He came to live with him. You see, some of you do not know that a certain advancement will come when you respect the people who are under you. You see, you see, you see a good leader walks very carefully. A great leader, when he's walking, doesn't walk like that. A great leader does not work like that. It's soldiers who work like this. Because a great leader knows that there are people under him. So he takes his steps carefully. You don't bruise heads. Some people become great because of help they receive from under them. That's why you may be the pastor, but your ability to generate help from your church members who, so to speak, are under you, lifts your ministry up and buoys you to the top. I was a student. I am my father's son. But since I pastored the church under him, at least some few thousands of people have added, been added to the denomination from the help of a little boy. Some of you don't know how to even talk to people under you. The respect you have is directed only towards the rich and the great. But there are certain times it is the people who are below you who cause you to be advanced. When, when um, David came back home and found his house robbed, everything stolen, with his soldiers in Ziklag had come, he asked God, should I pursue these people or I should remain? God said, pursue, pursue, overtake them and recover all. As he was going, 
looking for his CD players, looking for his television, looking for his wives. He met a little man, a young man, lying on the ground, half dead. And his soldier said, we, we are looking for our wives. Let's go. Then he said, we will not go. We will stop and minister to this man who is below us. There are people sitting in your church who are insignificant, who don't look like they have much to offer. But blessed is the one who stops and ministers to these seemingly insignificant people. They made food. I'm sure it was David's own food. He said, organize it. Give him to eat. The man ate. As soon as he ate, because he was hungry, as soon as he ate, he woke up, became normal. He said, who are you? So, it's not your concern. So, please, oh, just tell me who, who you are. You've held me. Oh, I'm David. We are looking for some things. Some people came to steal our things and uh, we are looking for them. Ah, things. And the Egyptian man said, was there a red iPad among the things? <laughs> red iPad. Yes. I, I, I own the red iPad. What? Was there a 40 inch screen also in your house which is not there? So yes, I had a 40 inch screen. Said, please, I know where the people are. I know where they are. Suddenly, David who was leading was now following a little Egyptian boy who was now taking him to a place where his destiny belonged. Careful! There is help from under you. Be very careful. The people who help us, sometimes they come with problems, issues, difficulties. But the people who know how to manage them, one day you will discover that the only person who had help for you was the one below you who was around you. As we end here, I'm saying that the God, the God of thy father shall help you, shall help you. If God is helping you, he sends you help from above at your level and below you. Be very careful. Don't have a penchant for respecting only people above you and at your level. You meet a security man, you talk anyhow. A little boy, hey, hey, sit down. Hey, hey, hey. No, a lot of the things I say here is just jokes. and I respect you. Right. It's an honor for me to stand here. It's a great honor. If you listen to my messages in the church I preach, you wonder who would even come to my church. It's, it's hot and sizzling. But the individuals, the people who have followed me here, they are busy people in, in Accra. It's a, they, they've bought their own tickets. They bought, if I didn't allow that, they'd have bought my own ticket for me. They've bought their own ticket. I could have come with more. Some, some are even angry I didn't come with them. Be very careful. Surround yourself with big people, tycoons, big, everybody around you is wearing two rings on his finger. You are some type of man. When you appear, it's like Angel Gabriel has arrived. <laughs> Thank God for your friends. But some of the people, that is how Haman had his healing. A little servant said, Say, what are you doing? You are a general. You strategize and won bigger battles. I'm surprised you are taking a decision like this. 
I mean, we have camped all the way from Damascus. Just dip in the river and let's go. So you are going all the way. I mean, what is all this? The man said, Okay, okay, it's okay. Give me a towel. Give me a towel. Give me a towel. And he entered. One, two, three. Nothing is happening here. You see what I told you? Though this time I'm using today, we could have been going away from this place. This priest who doesn't respect, when I come out of this water, you see what I'll do to you. Four. The other man said, Say, let's do seven. Five. You see? Six. If I come out, seven. Ooh, his skin became like the skin, the flesh of a child. And the guy was standing there. Look at you. You are a general, but I'm happy that you listen to my advice, my dear. Some leprosy will never live your life until you listen to and honor and respect people who don't have much to give you, only a piece of advice, just to be around, just to their presence around you. Clap your hands for Jesus. A little boy, a servant, beware, you can never be great as a church growth pastor if you don't mobilize the little boys and girls in your church. Let's build the work. Let's grow the church. Let's do outreach. Let's serve God. Clap your hands for Jesus. Keep clapping. Don't stop. Father, we thank you. Keep clapping. Father, we thank you for wisdom, for great grace. We thank you for the ministry of Bishop Dagwood Mills, from which we can stand here and have something to share. Bless us. We thank you for Bishop Collins' life, his humility, his wisdom. Bless Harvest House. Increase this church. Multiply us. Let us be great indeed. Clap your hands once again. And let's welcome our daddy to close us today. Keep clapping your hands. One more time. One more time. One more time. One more time. Come on, leaders. You can do better than that. That's a word from heaven. Come on, church, one more time. I need to hear men whistling here. Ladies ululating. Somebody shout. Harvest house is changing. I see it with my eye of faith. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Please take your seat. I just need five intelligent questions. People with very good questions to ask. I think uh, the revelation downloaded here was very serious. Serious. I can see by looking at your eyes. I can see that you are mesmerized. You are shocked. You are standing in awe. If you have questioned just five people, not more than five. A very clever, wise question. If it's a foolish question, keep it. You'll ask it sometime. But a very good question that you have pertaining especially the data, collection of data and everything else. You have those questions. 
please just lift up your hand. Show me by lifting up your hand. If you are uncertain and sure. Even the, well, <laughs> when you say foolish questions, I mean, how did I arrive here? That's a foolish question. Yeah. Okay. Right. Come quickly. One. Anybody else? Is there anybody? Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. All right. So we have only one person with a good question here. Please give her the mic. Thank you. Give her the mic. Give her the mic. Thank you. You, you were lifting up your head? No. Okay. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Bishop. Yes. I just want to find out if you have a person whom you do the follow-up yes. and you get there, he avoids you and you do again third week, fourth week, fifth week, and he and doesn't even respond. Yes. Um, that is a prophecy Jesus gave us. He said, when we go out, there are two, only two responses we should expect. One response is that we'll be accepted and received. So we should leave our peace there and even eat anything they give us there. There are some places when you go, they will reject you. They don't want you. So shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So you go to a place once, twice, thrice, they don't receive you. Sometimes also, it's, it's, it's also as very important when you go to visit the person. You know, you, you, must, you must find out and choose a better place to start to be in the person's office. You say hello to the person, make, you know, you know uh, have a bond. It, in the Western world, for instance, you can't go to somebody's house without informing them that you are coming. It is in Africa that you just go, just sit down, drink from the calabash, eat their enshima, and then we go away. <laughs> But certain places you can't. So sometimes also we have to ask ourselves whether we are going at the appropriate time or doing it the right way. You know, sometimes even the right person should be sent. You know, a certain type of house, you know, certain type of... You don't send this type of young boys who wearing slippers, his hair is disabled. And a certain type of person. Where you will be rejected, somebody will be accepted. So it's very complex. But... Surely, no matter what you do, there are some people who will still not uh, respond. So, that person, you can, so we have no, we make notes at the end of it. Persistently, we didn't want to see it. So, leave the person to be in the church. If he wants to be in the church, should be, if he wants to even leave the church and go somewhere, he's free to go. I mean, at least you would have done what you had to do as a pastor can do more than that. Thank you. Right. Mommy wants to ask a question. I wanted to ask Bishop, what, what, what are the further indicators? I think you said one was, one was the call, one was church attendance, yes. one was small group attendance. Yes. So church attendance, Sunday. What do you say? Can you write those down yeah. so that you... Sunday church attendance. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have weekday church attendance during the week. Yes. Uh, we have it in Accra. I don't know if you have a weekday service. Yes, well, I mean, a weekday service. Mm-hmm. We have that also. And then that small group, if it's a home cell, they have a home cell meeting in somebody's house. If it's a choir, they have a choir rehearsal in the church. So that's also a third meeting. Mm-hmm. And then you call the person 
So calls and then visitations. And then we also monitor the person's tight payments. Monthly tight. Has the person paid tight? We also do that. So that's the main data we have on the on the on the individual. There's something I've forgotten. If I remember, I'll tell you. But these indices. That is whenever the, the church gathers, is this person with us? Sunday, weekday, where he belongs as a cell member. Does he attend the meetings? And has he also received a visit? Has he received a phone call? Basically, that is something else. I, I, I don't, but yes, these are the ones. So, so I, I assume that's Excel or is it another? Yes, it's Excel. it's Excel. Excel. So I can even give you one to just look at. Okay. Yes. And then, and then there, there might be some of us that maybe come from areas where we might not have access, maybe to electricity or to, or to, to, to computers. Could we have those records in books? You can. In fact, some of the leaders have their records in books. Then on Sundays, when they come, in fact, some of the leaders don't even are not computer savvy. Mm-hmm. So they've got a little boy by them or somebody. So on Sunday, they come, they flip through the pages mm-hmm. and do data entry. Okay. But Sunday is a major day for data entries. Okay. So, so, so everybody collects, collects uh, re- records at their level? At their level. And then they bring them on Sunday yes. for the central exactly. capture, central exactly. data capture. Exactly. So the leader, Michael, will have his data for his five people because he must have data. And then uh, Emilia, Susie, and then all of them key in their data. So, so, so the pastor of the choir or the pastor of the zone who has different groups under him has every group's data to, on his. In fact, they are even emailed to him mm-hmm. or her. So he has data on each unit. So every unit, like this page I, I, I showed you, it belongs to one unit. So the calls, Sunday, visitation, weekday, home cell meetings, it's just for one small group. Then there's another group. So you go and click again. This group, maybe, I don't know, this an area, zone four. That just, that's a name. So zone four, so you see that the names will come. So the leader will have Different templates, Mm -hmm. Excel templates. If he has got five groups under him, he has five different templates. And each template has different tabs that are used to monitor. Okay, so so, so can I just ask, so is is that data then analyzed at group level and immediately the the, the visits and the calls are actioned? Exactly, excellent. That's what we do on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So on Sundays, after each service, the leaders go... There's no crossover. All the people in one service, they leave, and another group comes. So when they leave, they go and do their data entries and look at those who couldn't come to church mm-hmm. that day. So they discover that Regina, Ukraine wasn't in church. So, and our major visitations are done on Sunday. So the, 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 the leader, Michael, will say to two or three leaders who are going on visitation that go and visit this, this, and this based on the attendance data we have. So the visitations we do are, are, are not just, you know, not random. random or misdirected. Mm-hmm. They are very purposeful. In fact, there are Sundays also that we ignore those who didn't come to church. And we rather visit those who come to encourage them that we also care for them, that we are not taking them for granted because he that hath shall to whom to, to him shall more be given. Yeah, so we don't only concentrate on those who don't come, but
but we also reward people who attend church. So there are Sundays we even visit leaders or those who came. Let's go and visit Lord or let's go and visit Rebecca, a very faithful sister, is at home and sees that we've come. And sometimes these are the same people who are also working as leaders and will be going around visiting. So we schedule their visits on other days that we find, we, I mean, we realize we can find them at home. Nick and I, can I also ask, is there then like a central record where all the information is captured yes, yes. from the groups? Exactly. That's a cent, because from this we have graphs. We draw graphs that show attendance patterns, offering patterns, to have a central administration, which collates all this at one place. So I can sit in my office and look at the entire church or different services or diff- from the cellular to the macro level. It's a central place. Yeah, anybody? That's what I wanted, especially this area of statistics. Thank you. Come, uh, Ma'am Munje, you have a question? Come to. Come and stand here, sir. Please pass it on to the next. Bishop, I was going to ask concerning uh, uh, using Sunday maximally. Uh, do we like all your leaders bring their own food to church on Sunday for you to be able to keep them all day long? Yes. Okay. You bring your food. And we also have uh, a food court where food is sold. So you can buy food. But since my wife told me she would eat me if I don't eat, she brings the food for me to eat in the church. Yes. So, But if I want to buy something, I hardly eat on Sundays. So but there's food, something to buy. But historically, food hasn't been a reason why somebody would not work. But we have food. You see them, they, 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 you see them eating. They eat a lot. Because <laughs> the journeys they are going to make are a lot. <laughs> yes, and there's food. And also sometimes, even you, the leader, one Sunday in three months or six months, can gather your leaders and let's eat before we go together. Remember the communion we have. It was an eating time with Christ, the disciples. Thank you, Bishop. I'm not sure whether I'm seeing properly the first um, on the Excel sheet. Is it bus the meeting? Basel. We call it a basal meeting. A basal meeting is just um, um, a coinage. Bus and sell. So, a cell group whose members are bused to church. Yes, it's a basel. A cell group. Maybe some, some have called call home cells or area fellowship meetings. I mean, by whatever name. What you call hub, we call it a branch church. Yes, but yes, basel. Bus cell. Just to um, uh, impress on the leader that the there must be basin of members. And we use the offerings that are given here. The offerings they take at the cell meetings is what is used to pay for the basin. Yes, they don't come for money from us in the church. Thank you, Bishop. I wanted to ask about crusades. How do you maximize the number of people attending a crusade? You spoke about it a bit last night, but Oh, that's, a, that, that's a very big endeavor, but it, it has different things. Like Once again, 
mobilizing at the cellular level. You know, people come in, and when we go there, we also go out to do anakazo. We go to homes in the areas and invite people to come. And before the day, we've already done a lot of invitations in homes and other places around. So on that day, all we do is to just call the people we have invited. So it takes about a month or six weeks to, to adequately prepare for a crusade. I've just given a very, very, very superficial overview. But it, it, there's a deliberate attempt to reach people you know, at different levels in the areas, and then we bring them to the church. And even on that day, when we are at the crusade grounds, we have praise and worship, we sing and dance, and then we turn off the music, and then all of us go out to the byways and the highways and the hedges and invite people there into the meeting. So they come, sit down, we preach, and they give their lives to Christ. Thank you so much, Bishop. We can release. You have one more question? Oh, okay. Yes. Please do come. Thank you, Bishop. I wanted to ask when the tracking uh, of new believers and visitors, uh, is it this one? It seems that one I was talking of. Yes, we have, we have data uh-huh. for, the, for new believers. Okay. When, when the leader of this group, Leads so you see this this there's another group uh-huh. of new converts. Okay. So there's a main cell, and then some of them have new converts down. Okay. So after four weeks or so, we migrate their names onto the the main. So when a new convert attends the cell meeting for four weeks, okay, the person moves from there to the main main cell uh, level. So we are always migrating people. Okay. And also. There's a special group in the church that receives new converts mm. and sends them to their zonal leader. So if somebody came from a zone in the area mm. on Sunday, the person is assigned to that person's zonal leader, but his name is with the central administration. And that convert is tracked through that zonal leader's data. So we, we, have, we have our eyes on the new convert, which is also another different area altogether. The same system of attendance. Yes, exactly. Okay. exactly. Yes. But, but, but we, we don't make too many demands okay. on a new convert. Mm-hmm. So if the person doesn't come for weekday services or you know, tight, it, because they have to be taught and encouraged before they move from Sunday to other meetings. Yeah. But the zonal leaders who do outreaches to win souls, they immediately send those souls to their cell meetings in the zones, in that house. So the people, even before they come to church on Sunday, are, are already part of a home cell somewhere. Yes. And they appear in church. So our Sunday service is like a gathering service where people from different zones come for each of the services. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you so much. Let's release Bishop now as we... Wow.